0: What I'm seeing, David, is a lot of confusion, a lot of concern, and just sort of a hunkering down. Like, I don't know what to do. I, I need to do something. I want to be competitive. My employees need these jobs. You know, I provide a great value for them, and I just want to do the right thing, That which is very much a Midwestern. It, it's not just a Christian value. It's a Midwestern value, right? Most people in the world want to do the right thing.
1: Welcome to The Narrative. This is episode six of Woke Capitalism. I'm your host, David Mahan, uh, policy director here at CCB. And um, Aaron Baer, who would typically be uh, speaking during this piece here, is on vacation with his wife and family. And So hopefully he's out enjoying the sun with everybody, spending some quality time. Say all that to say that uh, we're going to spend the entirety of this Particular podcast in prayer for Maria uh, that she would be able to have the grace to put up with that man. Uh, we are uh, we have been having a good time here at CCV all week long. Uh, I think most of us have been actually working remote from the Columbus Fair, uh, the Ohio State Fair here in Columbus, and uh, and um, I'm, 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 I wish I was. At the fair, actually, we, we are sitting here in our offices, beautiful sunshine outside. But um, listen, we are so glad that you are with us, that you have taken the time out of your week to join us here on the narrative. little different um, podcast today. We are, for our current events uh, section, we are actually here. Uh, on on the podcast with director of the partnership here at CCV with uh, Matt Styers. he's here with us, and then we also have the coordinator, uh, his his uh, partner in crime Sam Huddleston, and uh, and guys, uh, we just want to kind of you know let everyone know uh, and all of our listeners about what you have going on with the partnership, you know, in our in our woke capitalism volume here, uh, we've had many people break down what woke capitalism is, basically companies signaling their support for progressive causes in order to maintain their influence in society. So it's really not about their stakeholders, their shareholders. It's really about, um, you know, bribes that they take uh, to to gain some kind of influence in society. And, And really, with the partnership is all about is kind of an answer to that. So so Matt, you want to jump right in there and, and uh, let the listeners know what, what, what you guys are doing.
2: Yeah, thanks. We're excited to be here today and uh, to talk about this. Um, just kind of a brief overview of kind of how the partnership began as um, a couple of years ago, CCV um, began to look at the landscape of corporate America and just saw basically a need for Christian business owners to stand up against woke capitalism and also just to advocate for those christian business owners um, that was basically the catalyst for the formation of the christian business partnership um, uh, the, the partnership's mission in part is to be a voice for conservative business owners but to also we're going to educate and equip them to combat woke capitalism and allow them to operate their businesses um, without compromising biblical values
1: that's awesome and, and man i i know um you have quite the extensive uh background and and um I know when you came on the team uh you know I was sitting at the table with everybody and and you were just breaking down some of the things you've done and projects you've been involved with uh really all over all over the world uh kind of give our listeners a, a little background on who you are what you've done and and what brings you to CCB family
2: yeah sure so um it's kind of a wide uh array of things um but uh you know god uses all those different opportunities uh, for you know just cause and i i feel like uh, that's happening here Uh, so my background was originally in higher education uh, went to school and uh, got a doctorate in um, um, law and policy and at that time i thought you know after finishing that i want nothing to do with Government and policy, and uh, here we are, full circle. That's right. 15 years later, we're back into this. Uh, So God definitely has a sense of humor. But um, during that interim, before coming to CCV and uh, the partnership, uh, I was I taught for a university. Also worked in healthcare for many years. And uh, uh, while teaching, got to work in the Middle East quite a bit, um, and uh, helped uh, develop a program in the Middle East to bring higher education to uh, women. Uh, throughout that region especially in the Gulf area.
1: So um, Sam before we we get a little bit deeper into the partnership um, you know one of my favorite guys around the office uh, we kid each other all the time and uh, you know he lets me cry on the shoulder when when Aaron's giving me too
3: bad of a hard time but kind of give a little (laughs) bit of your background and and what
1: brought you to CCB for for our listeners.
3: Absolutely David Uh, thanks again for having us I will say um, volume four episode six I you know feels like we're kind of the bench warmest to you guys a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm a little shocked and hurt it took this long, but you know, I, I guess Matt and I can do this today. Um, Stop crying and answer the question. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Um, so joined the CCB team uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh was just really drawn to the mission of, of the Center for Christian Virtue and the integration of uh, public policy with the faith, with Christianity, uh, with my personal faith. Um, specifically with the business environment, especially within free market principles and the economy, Christian business owners, Christian leaders in business, Christians that are just involved in the marketplace are seeing more and more unique threats, uh, facing them. Uh, they're seeing threats that will not just make business harder for them or, you know, challenge their economic standing, but they're facing threats that will put them out of business. Uh, They're facing threats that will keep them out of business and they're facing threats that will prevent them from being able to provide a living for themselves and their family, from being able to invest in their communities. Um, And so I think learning about those threats, getting a better firsthand understanding by talking to business owners and business leaders about these threats um, has really inspired me with the work that we're doing with the Christian Business Partnership, the work we're doing at the Center for Christian Virtue uh, and what we're hoping to launch and really dive in a little bit more, uh, with this launch of, of the partnership. Yeah.
1: So what, what, um, and this, this is for, for either one of you guys, um, but, but, you know, why, why do we need the partnership? You know, we've got, we've got chambers of comp chamber commerce. Uh, why, why is it so important that we have, um, this project that you are working on, uh, uh, for, you know, to kind of combat woke capitalism? why, why, Why isn't the the chamber enough?
3: Well, I'll start, you know, and I think uh, before we even have to get into the woke capitalism, the woke economic policy part of it, I think we just begin with the fact that a lot of chambers of commerce have become lazy, right? Your chamber of commerce, you know, 70, 80, maybe even 30 to 50 years ago was one of the biggest influences in your community, in your county, in your city, right? Actively lobbying and advocating on policy that was against policy that was bad for businesses and creating free market principles within your region. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore, um, in part because of some of the world capitalist policies and plans that they're adhering to, but also just because they've become comfortable. They've existed for hundreds of years. They're used to the business community, showering them with dollars and funding, and it's become easy for them to become complacent, for them to become bloated. Um, So certainly one part of this is just the fact that chambers of commerce have become a bit lazy in how they offer themselves and and resource themselves to businesses and business owners. Um, But again, really the other part and really the heart of this mission is to combat woke capitalism, what we've been talking about this entire volume, to really create a business environment that's good for all Ohioans, right? To create a business and economic environment that allows all businesses to thrive. But that also defends the right of the Christian to engage in the marketplace and to run their own business, to have the right to run their own business the way they see fit, without government overreach, without government overstep, and without the risk of being shadowed or closed down. Always at the forefront. Love it, Matt. What
1: What are some value adds um, that that folks could look forward to for for joining the partnership?
2: Yes, yeah, so we're we're excited because we're really offering. Basically everything that a, a typical chamber does, um, but again, without uh, getting into you know Soji and wool capitalism. So we're offering health insurance. Uh, we have health insurance that's available for. Organizations with 50 or more employees that has a values base. So it will be a health insurance option that will um, not offer uh, transgender surgeries, won't offer abortions. Uh, so employers are looking forward to that. Um, we're hoping in the near future to also offer that for 50 and below, but currently we offer health insurance. Um, for both 50 and below and 50 and above. We have um, workers' compensation with one of the national companies, Sedgwick, uh, gives great workers' compensation uh, discounts to employees. We have banks in the area that are thrilled to work with us and with our wow. members. Uh, they're not worried about getting canceled. Uh, they're just wanting to um, <laughs> you know, offer a good service. They're not worried about your political background. Um, so they're gonna offer um, discounted, um, banking, um, um, I guess, needs for them, everything from Dropbox to checking to loans. They're going to offer discounts in that area as well. And we have a whole wide variety of things too. We even have um, web services, credit card processing. So just about anything we can think of to uh, give Christian business owners an edge um, in the marketplace.
1: It's it's interesting to me, guys. You know, I I run with a lot of... uh... Small business guys, um, you know, different areas, different fields, professions, uh, and and they are really um, taking issue uh, with a lot of these issues that that they're you know didn't used to have to to deal with in the past, but now they are. And you know, some of the issues that we've been bringing up over the past several several weeks. Um, and and one time I, I got to meet with somebody. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the chambers and, and I was asking them, who do you most represent? You know, is it, you know, when you say your constituents, are you talking about, you know, you know, like for instance, you know, the targets or the Walmarts, or are you talking about, you know, the small business guys or, um, you know, who, who are you, you know, speaking up for and supporting advocating for? And, uh, and they really, I mean, they told me it's, it's the main corporation, uh, that they're really uh, looking out for. And, and and the actual small business uh, man or woman um, is kind of lost in the weight. Um, and so, it, it, you know, he was, they are the ones I've spoken to are very appreciative of uh, what you all are doing. And I know there's some, there's some public policy um, priorities that you have related to the partnership. Can Can you break those down for us?
3: Happy to. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I'll kind of focus in on three main areas. Um, one of our top pieces of legislation that we'll be actively fighting against, which I think was kind of hinted by somebody on here just now, was uh, uh, SOGI laws, or otherwise you may have heard of it as the Ohio quote-unquote fairness Act. Yeah, sexual orientation,
1: gender identity.
3: Mm-hmm. Federally known as the Equality Act, right? But we'll yeah. we'll be mostly dealing with this so-called Ohio fairness Act, um, <laughs> fighting against it um it's the one piece of legislation that poses the most significant threat to Christian business owners in the state of Ohio and the interesting part about this as well is the Ohio Chamber of Commerce's position on this uh, so this is a piece of legislation that's been introduced uh, every year in the general assembly for I, I mean David you probably know better than i do i would say at least the past 10-12 years right yes. and early yeah and early on the chamber was opposed to it but they were pretty quiet about it because they knew it was kind of controversial you know they knew the topics it was dealing with so they were opposed to it but they weren't really going to advertise that and then slowly you saw the chamber become much more pay to play right as kind of what you were talking about david the chamber doesn't necessarily represent your mom and pop small business you know right on main street as much as it does any other small business throughout the state of ohio they represent nationwide they represent AEP, they represent the University of Ohio State, you know, they represent those larger interests rather than they do small businesses. And as those large businesses have become more woke, and they've become more beholden to leftist liberal ideology, especially in regards to hiring practices and in regards to sexuality, you see the chamber take that position as well. And so over the past 10, 12 years, you've seen the chamber move from a quiet opposition to the Ohio Fairness Act to quietly supporting the Ohio Fairness Act, all the way up until this past year, where on the press conference done by Equality Ohio introducing the Ohio Fairness Act, who else was there on that press conference than the Ohio Chamber of Commerce co-sponsoring, co-working, co-pushing this legislation that I I tell a lot of Christian business owners would almost immediately put you at risk for a lawsuit at liability if not just potentially putting you out of business outright.
1: Yes. It's, it's, you know, again, it's like giving that, that entrepreneur a voice guys. I, I love what you are doing. Not only are you great guys, but you're doing great work. I'm um, excited. Uh, when, when can folks maybe expect to be able to sign up? Is there a website coming? Um, you know, let, let folks know how they can find out more.
3: Yeah. So uh, uh, end of this month, hopefully we're going to launch our new website. So, if anybody has any interest in learning more about the partnership or at least becoming alerted to when that launch is going to happen, some of the resources we'll be offering, uh, go ahead and sign up now. You can go to ccv.org slash CBP. I'll repeat that one more time. So that's ccv.org CBP. And if you sign up for our emails on there, you put in your information, you'll be the first people to know when we're launched. We're coming with a new website. You'll see advertising and marketing throughout the state regarding this launch, and you'll hear about it, I would guess, within the next couple of weeks by the end of this month.
1: That's exciting. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks so much, Sam. Uh, We've got an exciting guest coming up. We're, We're going to take a break right now, family, but stay put. In just a moment, we're going to be joined by our special guest, Beth Gifford, right here on The Narrative.
0: Christian business owners today face more unique and challenging threats than ever before. As corporate America and Chambers of Commerce all prey to woke capitalism, Christians in the marketplace need an advocate to protect their First Amendment freedoms. As Ohio's only Christian Chamber of Commerce, the Christian Business Partnership stands in the gap to advocate for, to educate, and to celebrate Christian business owners. Joining the partnership also allows businesses to provide their employees with health care insurance, workers' compensation, and exclusive banking and educational discounts. To find out more and to join, go to ccv.org slash cbp. That's ccv.org slash cbp.
1: Welcome back to The Narrative. We have Beth Gifford is with us this uh, week. She is a recognized expert in business organizational effectiveness and workforce issues she's currently the president and owner of the human resources development group she also serves as the co-chair of central ohio workforce advisory council in 2021 beth was awarded the 2021 smart 50 designation and nominated for the global leadership program at the harvard business school in 2020 she was featured in columbus ceo magazine as an innovative leader and has participated in an expert panelist on national workforce issues at the Urban Institute in Washington, D.C. and was named a 2020 Global Knowledge Leader on Talent and Workforce Issues. She has taught at the University of Kentucky and Ohio Dominican University and is currently a guest instructor at The Ohio State University, as well as an adjunct professor at Cedarville University. Beth, it is so good to see you. It's been a long time. Tell our listeners what you've got going on here, here recently.
0: Oh my goodness, David, it's so good to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Listen, recently, my heart has really been going toward that small business. The entrepreneur is really helping them uh, leverage and optimize their operating systems so that they're just reaching the best, uh, the best of the best that they can be. And I'm right. finding that they're struggling with some social issues. I mm-hmm. find that they're struggling with understanding the difference between cultural pressure and legal compliance. And they want to do the right thing and they need some information and guidance and and my heart is just with them.
1: I know you had some uh, conversations with uh, with Beth and um, you want to jump in and
2: oh yeah so just to tag on to what you just said first of all I'm so glad to have you here it's I always love working with you and just appreciate your knowledge and just your passion for God and also just for educating people Um, One of the things that Sam and I love is getting out and meeting business owners and just traveling across the state. You know, in the past, you know, business owners, they had struggles. A lot of it was, you know, recruiting or marketing or simple things like that. But what we're seeing more and more as we're traveling is they're just so concerned. Uh, There's a common theme. They're concerned about woke capitalism. They're dealing with cancel culture already. Um, It was just so surprising to me just to hear that over and over. So I was just curious what your experience has been uh, when you're out in the public, when you're meeting with business owners, um, you know, how are they combating or or how, I guess the better question is, how is it in woke capitalism and cancel culture impacting them?
0: Yeah, you know, Matt, that is a great question. And it is. And, and the, the, Normal everyday person sort of lost in all of this. There's so many new words. You know, right. equality doesn't mean what it used to mean, and equity doesn't mean what it used to mean. And inclusion doesn't mean what it used to mean. All of the word definition has changed. And I can tell you that I'm observing and seeing that the small businesses or the, you know, the entrepreneurial businesses of any size, you know, they're struggling with um. You know, there's a talent crisis. They're trying to hire the best talent available in the market to to come and make their company uh, uh, grow and do well. People are their competitive advantage, their competitive differentiator, and they're finding that candidates now will put in their cover letters or insert voluntarily into um, the interview personal information like their LGBTQIA status or their ethnicity or um, they're, you know, thinking about uh, intersectionality and all of the different, I call it the point system. It's not really a point system, but there are markers within that. And so it really throws folks because good business folks, good, good, good Midwest values are, we don't want to offend anybody. We want everyone to have an opportunity to come and participate. And it throws, it just throws them into this awkwardness. Do I say something? Do I respond? Do I act like I heard it? I didn't hear it. I read it. I didn't read it. It's very confusing. The other thing I'll share is um, business owners are finding that their suppliers and vendors are now saying to them, hey, I, I want you to follow our idea of social justice and our social values and our uh, requirements around inclusivity, and we want you to report on what you're doing. It can be something like, you know, funding activities as a company that don't line up with your values. So it's creating a real um, quandary. And I, I'm really passionate about helping folks understand the difference between cultural pressure and legal requirements, if that makes sense.
1: Cultural pressure versus uh, legal compliance or, or, or requirements. So, so it, that kind of makes me think of the average employer um, and really employee who might have some conscience issues um, with, with this new ideal of, of um, equity. It's, it's. I, I wanna encourage all of our listeners and um, Beth, I don't know if you listen to the podcast on a regular, but one of our first Do. podcasts we've ever done, uh, Aaron will be very glad to hear that. One of our first podcasts mm-hmm. we ever did was with um, Bob Woodson on, on race and then its roots. And the, I'll, I'll never forget, I actually listened to it over the weekend and one of the questions that i asked him what was the difference between the civil rights movement of the 60s and the social justice slash civil rights movement of today and and just his responses to that um was was phenomenal and obviously we have the difference between equality of opportunity versus the you know equality of outcomes and, and i just have these conversations over and over beth with um well-meaning folks who want to comply um with with uh the you know the you know, whatever we got to do in terms of regulations and and how we operate um at, in the workplace, but then they also feel that cultural pressure. They want to be nice. They they, they don't want to create waves, and for many of them, it's causing this um, this dissidence. This you know this this thing where they're having to really uh, ask themselves a question: Can I function? In this environment at this place of employment, or do I need to look elsewhere? Are, are, have you been seeing that out there?
0: Yes, all? it's a conundrum. Don't you like that word? It kind of feels <laughs> in your mouth like a, a right, little write that down, talking. Sam.
1: Conundrum. It's a right
0: conundrum. That down. Yes. And you know, um, a good part of it is that social pressure to comply. So I'll, you know, I'll share. I have a friend who Led a large organization for many years and most recently um, retired. And the new uh, leader came into this large company. And the first thing the new leader did was have the company fund the gay pride parade in their community. And my friend was just devastated, you know, not because employees shouldn't be able to do whatever they want to do that matches their values, but because the company felt pressured to put their money into a social cause that he, he, he thought had nothing to do with the business. Um, so there, there's a lot of pressure. And some employees are deciding to go out on their own because, you know, they, um, they feel pressure to comply. As an example, what if you're working at um, um, Amazon? who now offers to pay an employee's travel expenses and other expenses to go to a state to have an abortion uh, if they happen to be living in a state where it's not available. What if you work in the HR team there and you are responsible for filling out that paperwork and so you have to make some decisions about your values? I think about Daniel. He's a great biblical model for woke capitalism. He sure is because he refused to bow down to the culture. Yeah, he uh-huh. worked through multiple administrations. He did what was required of him. He outlived these different administrations. That's right. he, yes, he suffered some things because he refused to bow to the culture. But at the end of the day, he grew professionally. He outlived multiple government administrations and God blessed him for staying true to his faith and people respected him for it.
2: That's awesome. Uh, something you said uh just a few minutes ago when you were talking about corporations, one thing that just is mind boggling to me, I, I just feel like corporations seem to now be running a political party in, instead of a business. And uh, we're just seeing that more and more where, you know, they're less worried about capitalism and more and about indoctrination or, or uh, sharing their, their personal views. So one of the things I'm was curious about is how does a Christian do business mm-hmm. with corporations that are pushing this leftist Agenda. I mean, it's it's becoming more prevalent. Um, so, do you have any suggestions on that?
0: Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I'm torn a little bit between. I think about Nehemiah. He, um, a pagan king, gave him materials and time off and self pay uh, self uh, uh, a pass, safe passage to go do the work that God had called him to do. Uh, on the flip side of that, we look at. You know, Esther just, um, she stood up to the culture. Daniel stood up to the culture. I always look at a biblical model. What's a biblical model? We have to make decisions. As an example, um, again, what if you do business with Amazon and Cigna, who have both said that they're going to pay for their employees now to travel for voluntary abortions of convenience to other states? Kroger has said they will give their employees $4,000. To go do that. You know, do you make decisions to change vendors? It's so hard. And at what point do we stop being salt and light? You know, these are very, you know, I wish I could tell you I had the answers to these things, but I don't. But I think starting the conversation, because it's difficult, do we change vendors, suppliers? What about our 401k company? Many of those funds now have an environmental, social, and governance score. And so investors are looking at that. And the social piece of that and the governance piece in terms of inclusivity is a big piece of that. And do we make different decisions for our investments? for our retirement funds, for our health insurance plans. At the end of the day, they're difficult questions and it requires a lot of thought and prayer. I don't think we should, we're stalled in light and we're called to do that. But we also at some point have to say, you know, there's some things I'm not going to participate in and I'm not going to have my dollars participate in. It's, it's really difficult. That balance, but I'm confident. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul. He was in the marketplace of ideas. He was doing business in the marketplace. At no point do we say, and he would have told us because he told us everything, right? At no point did he say, and I refuse to sell a tent to this individual because their values did not match my values. Um, that's not really an answer, but I think just starting that conversation and having permission to have that conversation is a good a good place to be.
3: You know, I think, uh, you know, follow up to that and uh, something that got me thinking about, you know, you shared really well about just our need as Christians to stand up to the culture that we live in to be that salt and light. Um, obviously, that means one thing if you own a business or if you run your own business, then if you work for a business that maybe has gone woke or those woke conversations are starting to happen whether you want them to or not. So when it comes to somebody working for, let's say like a Kroger or an Amazon or a Walmart or whoever, and, you know, let's just say this conversation comes up at the water cooler or it comes up on lunch break. How, how does a Christian navigate that? How do they handle that conversation? And I think maybe if you could answer it in terms of just our faith and what we believe and, and how we integrate that into the workplace, but also like, Truly, like what protections are there to have that conversation and to be able to, you know, share some of those things.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, oh, Sam, that's a really good question because people do still uh, talk around the water cooler. It just now might be instant messaging or group text or a company group me uh, activity, right? They're still chatting. They're still talking. They share personal information. They share information that we would never have shared even five years ago. I mean, there's stuff that people talk about at work now that never would have been discussed before. And there's an expectation of a freedom to do that. I will tell you, there's a religious Accommodation Act in the United States that says that we don't have to leave our strongly held religious beliefs in the parking lot or at home uh, and that we can talk about them. There's a misnomer that says we can't have a Bible on our desk. That's not true. Uh, We we need to do things on our own time. But, you know, I think to answer your question, um, if we're we're asked to participate, that we as believers in Christ do participate and we do it from a position of a biblical view and with love and respect that we remember we lead by example and treat everyone with the dignity of that because of being made in the image of God and, um, that we just share the truth. Don't engage in uh confrontation. Don't be adversarial. You know, I love, um, uh, Ruth, um, um, Anne Graham Lotz has said that often if she's being interviewed on television and they try to take her to a, a place, you know, where she might be adversarial, she just quotes scripture <laughs> because what well, can you say and you say, well, you know, I believe in the Bible says blah, blah, blah and the scripture and that's it. But there's a lot to be said by uh, about just modeling, get your job done, do a good job, love others, be kind and model that, that, that love that Jesus had. For everybody, from a business perspective, Sam, you know, if you are the owner, I mean, you can't stop people from talking around the water cooler, virtual or real. <laughs> But you need to do things like lead by example and put policies in place around the company use of equipment or assets or marketing uh, locking down your marketing style guide. If you don't want individuals to put their personal pronouns or, you know, their pets pictures in their email signature, whatever it is, lock all those things down. So that there's a standard across the company and everyone is treated equally and just Remember, everyone is made in the image of God and we're called salt and light or we're maybe true and strong, but we're not adversarial.
1: That's right. And, and I don't know. I mean, just on to that adversarial piece, Beth, I don't know if you all have experienced this, but, you know, the, where it might be that the loudest voices may be, you know, have an extreme viewpoint. Most folks are tired of this stuff. Um, you, you know, if you listen to the loudest voices, you know, stay woke. It's, it's funny hearing uh, you know, white folks say, uh, you know, this, you just say woke all the time. Uh, we used to say in the black community, we used to say woke all the time. I mean, that that was, this is not a new term. Um, But now it represents something that it didn't used to. It's like if if staying woke now means you have an understanding of history and reality that uh, that has always been accepted. And that's just absolutely not true. Like if if you were an African-American right now uh, being asked to stay woke, you would think that African-Americans were always pro-choice, that African-Americans were always for this Marxist view of the family, anti, uh, you know, uh, you know, nuclear family. And that's just not true. Um, if you really want to be woke, uh, you, you need to understand that that everybody, I mean, for the most part, most of the African-American voices out there uh, were pro-life from, you know, Dick Gregory, uh, you know, all the entertainers, uh, the Black Panther movement. They were not cool with Planned Parenthood coming in and, and you know, putting all their abortion clinics in the neighborhood. They, they were hip to what was going on with the eugenics movement. Jesse Jackson, oh, staunchly pro-life, uh, uh, was interviewed for, for National Right to Life in, in different articles, was, was in Jet Magazine in the 70s talking about um, you know how, how uh, abortion was to take out, you know the intention was to take out an entire people, genocide. Wasn't until he ran for president in the late 80s that he flipped his message, he got the new woke. But, but that was not the old woke, uh, you know, the, the old woke was pro-life. Um, and so just, just, you know, being able to help people understand things historically, also one of the things I do at the water cooler where folks is try to get people to understand and see an issue from from multiple different viewpoints, from God's law, you know, the scriptures as you talk about Beth, but also man's law and nature's law. Uh, you know, what what does what does nature say about this issue? What what do our current laws? Say about this issue again to talk about pro-life. If I, if I drive out of the parking lot and I hit a woman uh, who is a or a parenting person apparently nowadays, um, and she's on her way to Indiana to have an abortion, uh, if I hit her and that woman loses her child, I go to jail for vehicular homicide. This is widely understood that that's not a blob of tissue; it's just not a neonate. It is a child. It is a baby who has just lost its life. And so I think we need to not be as sheepish as they would like us to be. Uh, I know we have the right to but remain silent here in the United States, but scripturally we do not. We do not have the right to remain silent. We need to uh, to to cry loud and spare not and and tell folks the truth in love. And we don't need to be sheepish about it. Um, so so Beth, I don't. Are you seeing folks that are actually quitting their jobs or 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 shutting down their businesses before they get you know, cancel culture, sicked on them? Or like, how are people responding to all of this real time?
0: Yeah, so I'm not seeing people shut down their businesses. They're just confused. They want to do the right thing. They need to hire the best and the brightest people. And they don't care about any of their intersectionality, intersectionality markers. All they care about is, you know, can you come do the job? How well can you do it? And what's it going to do for us? And this is that difference between equality of opportunity and equity based on your intersectionality markers and inclusivity um, categories. Um, But no, I'm not seeing people shut down their businesses, but I am seeing great concern about being canceled. Will customers stop visiting me if they think that i'm not um supporting certain social activities that, that are important to them will the best employees not come to me if they don't think that i'm really have a strong um um equity lens at the company which is it's the, the whole you know um Mar- marxist uh change the definitions of all the words as a way to change you know the culture and so no what I'm seeing David is a lot of confusion a lot of concern and just sort of a hunkering down like I don't know what to do I I need to do something I want to be competitive my employees need these jobs you know I provide a great value for them and I just want to do the right thing which is very much a midwestern it's not just a christian value it's a midwestern value right most people in the world want to do the right thing
2: you you've definitely hit the nail on the head that's another thing that we're hearing from business owners there is so much confusion that almost paralyzes them, and they just don't know what to do. And I mean, I, when I first got out of college, I worked in human resources, but I feel like everything that I learned from everything from being part of the human resource organizations to you know educational training is is out the out the door, out the window, whatever the expression is. I, I just don't understand where the marker piece came in, and I didn't know if you could maybe explain that a little bit to the viewers, just to give them an understanding of of how this and how this operates and what it does and and I still don't even understand how it's legal to be honest.
0: Well, I don't necessarily know that it is legal because if I look at it through my legal mind, it's reverse discrimination. And frankly, if I were an individual that had intersectionality markers, I would be upset that you think I can't be successful except for being able to have this opportunity because of those markers. You know, um, I'm over forty there's no po- i don't get any credit for being overweight but if i did you know i have like no markers but if i were if it were different if i were i would be upset i would i would want to be hired on the merit of my accomplishments but this is not where we are And all started we all know we can go back to the C- crt marxism neo marxism coming back in the 1930s to the united states from the frankfurt school and and it has just permeated the universities permeated so that now business and social um Activists really are driving changes in our culture from business to public school systems, to families, to churches. I mean, it's all throughout our culture now. It's woven in these changes in the definitions of words and the changes in how we value Not just individuals, but also thinking about, from a business perspective, employees. It's no longer, uh, what did you do in the past? What kind of jobs did you have? What results did you get? It's now literally companies having a matrix, and across that matrix, they will fill in for every candidate. Do they have preferred pronouns? Are they LGBTQIA? Um, Are they... um, what's their ethnicity, what's their color, what, you know, it's in literally filling that out and making decisions based on that. And it's all upside down. It's confounded. I love that word confounded. You know, um, it means confusion thrown into confusion and, and, um, businesses are, are having a hard time, you know, smaller business or Christian owned businesses, or even just more conservative businesses are having a really hard time. But to answer your question, I think that's where it all came from. I'm not an expert in that. I just know it's here. And, um, you know, we've got to really be educated and informed to know how to uh, um, live in this space properly. Yeah and not lose our testimony for Jesus Christ and also honor the government and what might be legally required.
3: Beth you mentioned it uh, a little bit earlier in um, one of the things you were sharing. You talked a little bit about um, this environmental social governance criteria, almost uh, commonly known as ESPs. Um, I think a lot of us here on, on this interview kind of have an idea of what those are and what those mean, but for just, you know, the average listener, do you mind sharing a little bit of, of what that is and specifically why, why that's become such a topic recently, how that could help, or maybe even hurt uh, your business or the direction that your business may be going in?
0: Sure, Sam. Hey, it's sort of similar to your credit score as an individual so you think about you know how many open accounts do you have have you been delinquent in any of your payments have you had a car repossessed is your debt to equity or debt to income ratio out of whack well it's sort of the same thing only from um for companies and it's the environmental social and governance um score there's there's literally a score there are companies who to go out and get gather the information and give you a score, give the company a score. And then vendors or suppliers or investors make decisions on whether or not they want to participate with you based on your score. So as an example, in terms of environmental, it might be your energy footprint. Uh, I know um, certain large manufacturing organizations all across the world have changed all of their lighting inside because they want to bring down the, their use of electricity and their their footprint, their, green, their carbon footprint. So it's a green footprint. Um, it's waste management. Those are the kinds of things in the environmental score. That, I'm making this very simple, but it this is a great way to understand it. I'll go to governance next. Governance is your board of directors. It's your ownership. What inclusivity do you have there? Do you have minorities represented? Do you have, and by, so the Um, inclusive has a different meaning it doesn't just mean individuals who look different than you it also now means lgbtqia and the t is big it you know it's it's have you invited everybody to the table to lead your company and then we'll go to the social this is a big piece so it's employee relations it's um making sure that uh, you have um, inclusive policies based on ethnicity, color, LGBTQIA. Um, your employee relations is managed that way. So, you know, it is making decisions based on that versus merit or um, performance. And that your company is really, you know, socially active that you're supporting the right social causes that you're engaged you're out in front, you know, think about the Columbus crew, and all of those companies that are advertising uh, at lower.com. You know, are this is sort of similar, are you out there actively moving this and I'll share this with you. Um, Corporations have always had political action committees. They've always had a PAC and at certain levels and above, normally director above, or somebody who had equity in the corporation. And I'm talking about publicly held companies. Um, you know, they, Certain employees would be expected to participate financially in these PACs. So empl- corporations have always influenced government and social causes. You know, We can think about Apple and what they've done in developing countries. But now this is different. There's literally a score that can impact it. your 401k funds. Many of them and ESG will investors participate and privately held companies. Normally this used to be for this type of thing structure used to be for publicly held companies. They're selling stock, and, but now privately held companies also. So let's say you do business with Owens Corning. I'm, I'm saying that I probably should mention that. I just, it comes to my mind. What if they say, I'll only do business with you if your ESG score is a certain thing? Or what if you're selling widgets and your supply, main supplier says, well, your ESG score has to be here or you won't get preferential pricing? You know, these things happen. And um, it's a way for corporations to really influence the culture socially in a much stronger way than we've ever seen before.
1: Yeah. Matthew, you, you are a wealth of knowledge. Um, <laughs> there, there's no way that we can probably answer every question for our listeners, but how, how and I'm sure that they have, um, you know, many questions on how to navigate this current cultural climate. How, how can folks find you and what kind of services do you provide to, to help them through all of that?
0: Well, thank you for letting me share that. So they can reach me at um, bgifford.com at thehrdg.com. So you can just email me, bgifford at com, And I provide services around operations and organizational effectiveness and business optimization to help companies be the very best they can be. I'm a business optimization coach and I have an expertise in um, employment, human resources, legal compliance as well as in operations and making sure the two go together and that people really are your competitive differentiator and that you are listen i think as believers in christ we're called to be the best we're called to do our very best and and salt and light means that we are we're uh, uh, you know we're lifted up and that people see the difference and they see the favor of god on us because of our faithfulness like just like we saw with daniel
2: Amen. And before you move on, David, I want to do a real quick plug for uh, the Christian Business Partnership. We are excited because Beth is going to be a, a regular commentator uh, for uh, the Christian Business Pod or Partnership. She's going to be doing podcasts. She's going to be doing um, articles. So. Uh, she'll be a great resource to our members as well. So back to you.
1: (laughs) Well, there you you have it, family. You are not alone. Uh, Matt and uh, Sam are here with the partnership here at CCV and uh, just found out myself that uh, uh, that Beth is now a part of that family. Uh, In addition to all that she's got going on, thank you so much, everybody, for for joining us uh, and listening to this episode of The Narrative with special guest, Beth Gifford. The Narrative is presented by CCV and produced by Westler Media. If you have found today's episode insightful, leave us a review, give us a rating, and uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, David Mahan, and we'll see you next time on The Narrative.